Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome back to another Tactical Tuesday. These are practical insights with subject matter experts designed to give you the advantage in your journey to building a career, a company, and a legacy along our clean energy revolution. Perhaps you're trying to figure out how you, like Kyle, today's esteemed guest, can invest in the unicorns of tomorrow today. And that is what we're going to learn about. In the fall, we kicked off office hours inside of our private resource labs community with one of my favorite individuals in the industry, someone I spent a lot of time breaking bread and sharing ideas with, Mr. Kyle Cherick. Kyle was a guest back in the 90s of the Suncast episodes. So you might want to go check out how he built a company that he eventually merged with Picked My Solar, now Electrum, also solar.com is one of their uh, properties. Kyle has been building in the solar energy space for more than a decade and a really fascinating entrepreneur whose opinions I trust deeply. And he has also been someone who took me by the hand and has taught me how climate tech investing works. And that is why I'm bringing this content to you. As you've probably noticed, we've had a few episodes here with our friends at Energia and Kevin Conroy at Finite. We've got some others coming down the pipe directed towards helping you understand how you can invest more than just your time and talent, but also your treasure into scaling the climate economy. And if you've been looking at ways to invest outside of index funds, et cetera, that are pegged to publicly traded solar companies, ways to get into angel investing and and venture investing in the space, then today's episode is for you. There are really not that many opportunities to do so. And I have, as a result, over the last year and a half, leaned in with Kyle to something we call Climate Avengers, a syndicate and a rolling fund that allows for credit investors to invest in early stage entrepreneurial opportunities for companies that just might become the next climate unicorn. We'll hear more about what the opportunity looks like and how you can participate in today's Tactical Tuesday. And if you like this kind of information, well, I would encourage you to go over to mysuncast.com and check out the more than 550 episodes with clean tech leaders and climate founders, where we dig into insights on their journey to building companies with meaning. We've got mysuncast.com forward slash climate avengers. For those of you who want to take action on what you hear today and want to actually check out the syndicate as well, and we'll link in the show notes to that as well as in the description of the podcast player that you are listening to right now, but you're here to hear an episode. So let's get ready for another powerful conversation here on Suncast. I remember when Kyle first reached out to me and said, I'd love to get your thoughts on investing in climate tech. And I knew that Kyle had invested in several early stage companies, namely, or one that everybody will recognize is Folsom Labs, which is the progenitor of Helioscope, and also in his own company, which had gotten merged into what is now solar.com Electrum. So I was you know, ears wide open and, and wanting to learn. And Kyle has taken me under his wing for the last, what, Kyle, like 18 months? Yeah. Yeah. To effectively give me my second MBA in this one in investing. Instead of interviewing a bunch of investors, uh, I jumped right in with Kyle. And uh, we're going to talk a bit about that journey today. And Kyle's going to talk just generally about the process of and then the sort of the landscape for climate tech investing. It is a jungle out there, but there's never been a better time to both build a company that looks for investment and or with the exception of maybe uh, two years ago where you would have been looking for investment in the, the hyper cycle that we just went through where valuations are crazy. That might have been the best time. But right now, I think is you know, probably the best time ever to get into this industry as, as a lot of folks are learning. 
And as a result, there's a really great opportunity for those of us who've been in the industry for a long time and have achieved accredited investor status to consider how we can uh, help pick some of the companies that we think are leaning in the right direction, bring some capital along behind them, advise and, and coach and connect their uh, executive teams as our way, instead of investing in the capital markets, as our way of saying, you know what, we're going to put our money where our mouth is and, and help the industry move forward. So we thought it'd be fun as our first ever resource labs office hours to just talk a bit about both Climate Avengers and some of the other ecosystems that exist for investing into this landscape. So let's go Matt, Louise, Tyler, and then Kyle will let you kick it off. Sounds good, guys. I'm Matt. I'm sure you guys have seen me around helping to build Resource Labs. So we have a lot of cool stuff coming up. So really thankful for all you guys who are the early supporters. And uh, yeah, feel free to reach out to me anytime. Yeah. Hey, all. Uh, my name is Tyler Hurlbert. I'm the Director of Investor Relations for a company called Energia. Our co-founder and managing partner, Mike Silvestrini, has been on Suncast a couple of times. I was on recently with Nico uh, to talk a little bit about investing uh, you know, in, in, in socially responsible uh, solar projects. So Energia brings direct equity investing in renewable energy projects to both accredited and non-accredited investors, as Nico mentioned. Um, so, you know, we've accepted investments as large as $63 million and all the way down to $100. And you can buy direct equity shares of uh, portfolios of renewable energy companies, um, you know, renewable energy projects all around the globe. We have portfolios in the U.S., Brazil, and soon to be back Africa. And uh, just here to uh, hopefully uh, in, in enhance the conversation a bit. And if anyone has any questions, um, I'll just kind of uh, be another resource for, for Nico and Kyle and the team. So, hey, I'm Luis. I'm a friend of the podcast. I've, been, I've known Nico for a number of years. I was in, in the podcast, you know, hundreds of episodes back, like two years back. I um, Let me see, what can I say about myself? I've been in the industry for now for like 12 years. I began uh, my road in solar at Enphase Energy, worked there until 2018. And I've been a consultant uh, helping uh, businesses in Latin America for the last four or five years. So that's me in a nutshell, and uh, happy to be here. Really interested in hearing about Kyle's seed investing platform. Awesome. Thanks, Luis. I think we can just head to Kyle now. Take it away. Awesome, guys. Thanks, everybody. And um, yeah, glad to have Tyler and, and Luis here. I, I know we've, we've interacted quite a bit uh, just in the Suncast and uh, you know, network and, and investing focus. I guess I'll do the brief intro on myself. I have been passionate about startups uh, since I was in high school, and uh, both my undergrad and, and uh, graduate uh, work were focused on entrepreneurship uh, at some of the top programs and writing business plans during those times, launching those companies. Um, and so ever since, my whole career has been working in either you know true startups, uh, venture-funded startups, or sometimes uh, startups within larger corporations that... Um, you know, we're, we're startup efforts of new divisions and things like that. So without going into too much of that detail, I will say, you know, my, my perspective generally on this conversation, I'm, I'm going to try to long-term narrow in on, you know, venture investing, but I think it's important just to provide kind of a big perspective because there's so much more to climate investing than just, um, the ventures perspective, which is, is fairly narrow piece of it, slice of it. So a couple thoughts that I'll, I'll just open up with. You know, one thing that uh, I think frames this conversation, which we were talking about earlier, which is um, nothing in the world really changes until a dollar moves and then the, the, the market reacts, right? And so that's um, a big reason why in the last few years, there's been a lot of talk about how do we move invested dollars into climate-friendly uh, investments and how do we stop investing in uh, investments that are hurting the climate. And so that's, I think, a big piece that really the 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 snowball has just started rolling down the hill on that massive trend uh, awareness. You know, there's been a lot of criticism of, of sort of the ESG movement. That whole movement was started because people wanted to have more awareness of how our dollars are being spent and, and what the ethics and ethical decisions behind that are and making sure that they're 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 good for the world in general, but that's just the beginning, and it it, it becomes much more focused as we get into narrow and narrow buckets of wh what dollars are having what impact and what what do we want to have. 
I, in particular, uh, had gotten really interested in venture and investing in the venture side after doing some of my own angel investing and really just having a fundamental belief that that I think that investing in the venture uh, category has an outsized impact on the world than maybe some other investments, which I think are also critical and important for all of our different buckets of, of personal assets and investing to be in, uh, you know, a, to understand what the impact is, the risk reward profile, and to, to be moving as much of it into a climate friendly vehicle as possible. But from my perspective, a dollar invested in venture, right, has a potential, you know, 10,000x or 100,000x, you know, impact on the world just because of its position in, in venture scale companies focused on change, focusing on building new business models, particularly in, in you know, climate friendly uh, investments focused on climate positive impacts. And so we need a lot more venture scale dollars as well as across the whole spectrum. And so I even have, you know, a little bit of my comments. So so I'll cover briefly some some broad categories that are, are even retail friendly. And then we're going to narrow in on on the, the VC sector and talk about what we're doing with Climate Avengers, venture capital and all that. So, you know, starting broader, you have a lot of retail solutions that are coming out. Some of these look like neobanks. Some of them look like project investment platforms. There's certainly options that are becoming more available on the general stock market or retirement savings options. So kind of getting into a little bit of those climate and neobanks and, and the impacts of where we keep our money, whether it just be you know checking, savings, you know, long-term savings, things like that. Unfortunately, a lot of the biggest banks in the world are are you know getting better, many of them, but a lot of them are still financing you know, some of the, the biggest, largest infrastructure projects for fossil fuels, whether it be the mining, the the digging, the the drilling, the moving of fossil fuels, um, they're kind of the go-to. They're starting to hear it from their customers that they don't want their savings used to um, lend out to uh, these infrastructure projects that are just accelerating uh, fossil fuels. So some of them are starting to take stands on that. I think it's a, it's a the long process, but I think if you are with one of those banks and you have the ability, you have two options, right? You can move your money to a bank that is is more focused on positive impacts. This might be like an Aspiration or an Atmos bank. Um, I know I've done some loans with Clean Energy Credit Union, which is purely doing loans to um, you know clean energy providers, and and their their savings accounts are funding those loans. So there's a number of those options. I think that's important. Quite frankly, it's been tough for me as like how much time I consider, you know, am I going to move? Cause I, I have a strong relationship with my bank. Right. But I also know they're kind of on this list of, you know, still not making as much progress on climate investing and, and not funding fossil fuels as, as I'd like to see. So my options are either start moving my loans and my savings and other products to, to other platforms and or aggressively lobby them as a consumer and just say, Hey, you know, this is not acceptable, whether that be calling them out on social media or you know, LinkedIn, or just calling, you know, filing complaints and things like that. Those things do make an effort. They customers, you know, the, the, the leaders of those organizations hear that. And I think it's an important piece that if we care about the climate, right, you know, vote with your dollars or vo- vote with your voice. But really in, in the evolution of this, we all started voting with our voices, you know, 20 plus years ago. And that that's only gotten louder in the last 20 years. And in the last, you know, maybe 10 years, I think there's been a lot more voting with our dollars. And so we're starting to do more of that. And that's, again, when a dollar moves, the market reacts and, and people change their business models, their behaviors, their policies, because a dollar is, is really what keeps us, um, you know, all paying all our bills and society moving along. And, and when dollars change, then business models change and, and people change their behaviors. Projects and investment platforms, I think, are phenomenal. I'm so thankful for you know, this is kind of one of those classic thanks Obama shout outs, which is that, you know, in, during his term, we, we did get some major legislation that that opened up access to so many different types of uh, opportunities, um, both, you know, debt options or equity options at the project investment level. Um, I, I think one of the early, early pioneers of this was Mosaic. Uh, and, that, you know, one, before they got heavy into to lending to projects, they were doing, you know, um, taking investment from retail investors for different projects, which really was how they started lending to projects. But then they kind of went upstream and just focused on the institutional debt. I think that that really catalyzed, they were one of the platforms that catalyzed, you know, a lot of platforms later on. And I'm so glad to have, you know, the groups like an Energia, a Raise Green, a, you know, Climatize Earth. Um, you know, there's just been a, a blossoming of many platforms. And I think those are all really great products because I think, they're, you know, project level investment 
um, quite frankly, is a lot less risky and it's a lot clearer typically on what the expected returns are going to be and, and should be within a fairly tight window. And so you sort of know like, hey, I, I do want to be able to invest in projects at the project level. I know exactly what the impact is. I know exactly generally what the return is going to be. It's a very solid investment. And I've done a, a fair amount of that myself. I think it's it's an important place to to have some of your monies invested um, for a portion of your portfolio. And then, you know, stepping back even broader, right, you have the stock market and retirement savings options. So you have new financial products like Sphere coming out with fossil fuel-free funds. Um, there's been a lot of different funds that have sort of um, looked at, you know, how aggressive do we want to be on either climate positive impacts or, you know, earth positive impacts, sustainability. I think there's a lot of uh, options there that can get you both broad exposure, um, but also not sacrifice the impact. One of the biggest things you can do if you're at an organization that has a retirement plan, if you're at a startup that is trying to select their retirement plan soon, or if they're considering what options they are, you know, make sure um, that there are good options within your company's retirement plan to have a, a very clear, you know, very positive climate impact uh, fund. Because a lot of the standard default options within a retirement plan are are pretty bad. And so someone like a, a Spheres fund, which is available through Vanguard, um, Carbon Collective is actually you know, providing the retirement. Carbon Collective and actually also Betterment, uh, I'll bring up as both uh, options. They are actually being the retirement kind of platform provider to companies where all of their options, right, have positive impact. And that's really what you want to see. You want to see like you know, not that the default option is kind of your generic fund that has uh, no positive impact and, and oh, yeah, maybe we have one small option over here that very few pay, people pick and it's not really clear if it, how positive the impact is. You want something that says, hey, we're aligned as a company, as a team with these positive impacts and we want our whole platform, our whole retirement dollars to have, you know, these, these kind of options in them. So I've been really impressed with what those companies are doing. Uh, one of our uh, Climate Avengers portfolio companies, Drone Seed, just uh, announced that they're officially have their retirement plan with Carbon Collective, and and they got live there. Well, I'll just interrupt you real quick and say that yeah. Energia is. I mean, we've whittled it down to those two, so it'll it'll nice. be Betterment or, or Carbon Collective. And I've talked to James over at Carbon Collective several times. It's a great company. Uh, yeah, from those guys. Awesome. That's great to hear. Super excited for you guys for your own team as you guys consider that. Yeah, I think that's something that, you know, that decision is like you make it once as a company, it's really hard to unseat who your retirement provider is. Um, and it's hard to convince your retirement provider to have, you know, the right options within that fund. They kind of have the ones they have and it's hard to get others in there. So the fact that we can we can make that decision once and then all the options are great is is a, a powerful tool. So I'm glad to hear that, Tyler. All right. So. I do want to spend kind of the bulk of the time and, and hopefully a lot of Q&A um, digging into Climate Avengers. To wrap up my bio, um, you know, I did start in 2015 a company that got several Department of Energy grants, and then I merged that in with Electrum, and we now uh, also operate the domain and, and own the domain solar.com. We're a managed marketplace for home electrification. But what ended up happening is that, you know, I was doing some angel investing, and I was, you know, heads down building Electrum for several years and talking with a lot of other founders. And a lot of them were just really getting frustrated. They were talking to generalist venture capital investors. And, you know, those guys were kind of just taking flyers and having conversations, but had real no, no real strategy, no real thesis around sustainability or climate or anything like that. You know, by 2020, I, I started noticing that, you know, there was, we, we had rebranded, right? And so in the 2000s, this category was kind of green tech. And it was very much like hard tech and, you know, wind and solar and things like that. And then, you know, kind of in the 2010s, it kind of got rebranded as clean tech. So it was a little bit broader than just like green energy. And then, it, you know, a lot of people lost their shirts. A lot of venture capital funds, you know, lost the investments that they made. You know, there were certainly some winners through the 2000s and 2010s. When you look at the big companies now, all of those companies were venture funded back in the 2000s and 2010s. But then it kind of wasn't a sexy space in the early 2010s and even the mid 2010s. And the, and the, the funding from a venture capital perspective was a little bit fat, flat, but growing, but kind of under the radar. And then right at the end of 2019, I noticed that, you know, OK, now we've rebranded it to climate tech. Right. The industry kind of said, hey, you know, we're going to make another effort at, at investing from a venture scale in this sector. And it's going to be called climate tech. Right. It's, it's once again, kind of broader. It's generally kind of carbon-based, but but very broadly kind of sustainability-based. We saw that pick up in late 2019. And this, to me, indicated that all these founders I was talking to, there was a window coming 
where we were going to be able to raise and catalyze capital. And we needed a lot more capital into this venture, early stage venture space. Then, of course, COVID hit. And quite frankly, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I wasn't sure how, you know, we weren't sure at the time if we were going to go into deep uh, uh, recession because of COVID. Obviously, it was a wacky time in the market and some crazy things have happened since then. But what I, I knew for a fact was that I knew these startups needed more venture capital. We knew that the climate clock is ticking and they have, there are good businesses out there that need more f- capital because they need to grow faster, they need to hire more, they need to fund more pilots, they need to you know, re- cross that chasm to get to full viability. I began researching, you know, building out my own fund and what that would take and what that would look like. Um, never intending and, and don't intend to leave Electrum. I um, really enjoy being an operator on the Electrum side and kind of operating a startup business as we grow, you know, past 120 employees now. But again, I have a huge passion for angel investing in the space and, and know that we need more capital. So we started at Climate Avengers at the start of January 2021. Uh, we kicked off as a, just a purely private syndicate, um, wasn't even publicly listed on AngelList yet. But rounding up my, you know, my own network, talking with Nico around you know, who else in the network can we bring into the Climate Avengers syndicate. And we ended up funding our first deal just with 25 kind of close people in our networks. And we funded an amazing company, uh, Aether Diamonds. They're taking direct air capture CO2, and they're actually manufacturing uh, high-grade luxury diamonds from that direct air capture CO2. And so these are truly the first, the world's first carbon-negative diamonds. And their their model is, is kind of carbon-to-value. It's part of this broad kind of carbon-to-value economy where... We have to take carbon out of the atmosphere overall, either reduce our carbon emissions or do things that suck carbon out of the atmosphere through you know, natural uh, means or physically you know, build machines that pull it out of the atmosphere. And then what do we do with it, right? Well, we can either bury it, but that doesn't have an economic you know, value to it. Um, it's just based on someone wants to pay us because they want to offset something somewhere else. And so we should do that, right? We should increase the value of that. But what's even better, right, is if you take that carbon and you can actually create something of value and sell something elsewhere into an industrial process or a retail product or something that actually really supercharges the funding of taking this carbon out of the atmosphere so that we can start to balance out how fast the environment is heating up and the climate's heating up. And so um, they're doing that in a phenomenal way. Uh, after that, we opened up the syndicate to be publicly accessible on AngelList. Our second deal got really hot and was very popular. Uh, we participated in the uh, Series A round for Drone Seed, and they ended up raising uh, $36 million. You know, Chamath from Social Capital led that round. Uh, Alexis Ohanian from, from you know, Reddit, who has his own fund, 776, uh, he, he co-led the round. Uh, DBL uh, uh, followed, which is a famous you know, VC, uh, double bottom line uh, investors. VC. Um, and then Mark Benioff from Salesforce came in. There was a number of other VIPs. Some of the Tesla original founders actually were, were in there. And, you know, they've been on a tear ever since. They did an acquisition of Silva Seed so that they can control and grow the seed basis for planting trees with drones. They are looking at other, I think, strategic opportunities and, and already, you know, I think we're only about 18 months out. And I think that they're likely to, to raise some more capital soon because they have big, big growth plans and huge demand for their, their business. Went through and, you know, we did the seed round for Mutrol. We co-invested with Lower Carbon Capital, which is Chris Saka's fund and led by Clay Dumas. And they're doing incredible work uh, reducing the, the methane emissions from cows, which, you know, is a, a massive contributor globally to to climate change. And then from there, the Aether actually, our, our first deal or the seed round, um, their Series A came up really quick. Like eight months after the seed round, they raised uh, a Series A that we participated in. And it was at a significant markup from the seed uh, investment that we'd made. And actually, since then, they've they've done some follow-on funding, uh, kind of an A+, that's been an even bigger markup since, since that. And so... Um, that's you know obviously in a in a in a vibrant uh, climate investing economy those are kind of the types of um, trend lines that you want to see you want to see participating with great co investors you know finding great companies um, that are are poised for high growth and then you know relatively quickly in the next you know twelve to eighteen months you know they're attracting uh, bigger investors you know larger rounds so that they can continue really scaling. Um, and that's really what we look for is those companies that are that are high potential like that. So that was kind of our first year. We deployed about a million and a half dollars. You know, it is public on AngelList. It is uh, only for accredited investors. Um, I'll talk briefly about that just because I think it's important. Right now, 
you know, accredited investors uh, represents roughly about 10% of uh, the American population. Um, I, I certainly, you know, wish it was, it was broader, but I do recognize that this is an investment asset class that it requires, uh, you know, knowledge about understanding how these investments are going to play out the risk level. Cause it's extremely, it's extremely risky, particularly when you're investing on a deal by deal basis. What you really want when you invest in venture capital is enough portfolio diversity that you're likely to get, you know, at least one investment that will return all of the investments you've ever made in the space. If not, you know, hopefully finding multiple of those, because it's likely that just given the numbers and the risk of early stage startups, you're going to see, you know, potentially up to 50% either just return the investment, the, the capital that you invested or return no money at all. And so overall, you're looking for that portfolio balance of, um, some are going to be big winners and hopefully, you know, produce very positive returns for your investments. Some are just going to return the existing capital you invested, maybe in, you know, kind of a aqua hire or a fire sale. It's like, well, we've got base assets and we find somebody to buy those for what's been invested. And some of them just will run out of time. They'll run out of resources. They'll, they'll be in businesses that just don't end up being long-term profitable. And that's just a reality of the venture uh, kind of asset category. Hey, I know you are a savvy listener. Heck, you're listening to Suncast and you've probably, as a result, heard of a little company called SunGrow. If you're not using SunGrow inverters on your projects, I would love to better understand why. They are the inverter of choice for many of the EPCs that I know. SunGrow is the number one in gigawatts deployed. They've got the top bankability in the industry, Hexsolve uses them for the majority of their projects. And you may not even know, but SunGrow has the largest R&D team in the power electronics industry. These three key points alone have convinced most of the major US developers to prefer SunGrow. They now experience a diversified supply chain, local service team, patented containerized product, all with their seamless pain-free commissioning. Look, imitation is the highest form of flattery. So why spend all of your cycles on what inverter to use when the largest EPC in the land has already done the heavy lifting for you? You can have their same experience for your projects. See how at mysuncast.com forward slash sungrow. Hey family, one quick reminder here that if you haven't yet joined Resource Labs, you are missing out. It is our outstanding community. It's the evolution of Suncast moving from presentations, you listening to us talk, to conversations. Our community involved in conversations as varied as powering Australia to green hydrogen to crypto and so many other things. Our newsroom is full of great insights. The main chat and even our RE Plus Where to Party At channel have been popping off. We've got more than 100 folks enjoying the community, and I would invite you in. You can do that at mysuncast.com forward slash community. Come see how Resource Labs can help you grow your influence, impact, and income. See you inside. The syndicate's great because you, you, you could invest deal by deal, um, but it, it doesn't provide the level of portfolio diversity and the automation of investing across a large number of, of you know, high impact uh, climate startups. So for that reason, this year we launched, um, and now we've got you know, two venture partners that are assisting me on, on the team, uh, Nico, who's been great, as well as Elena Folks, who's another one of our venture partners. Um, so they'll help out, you know, either diligencing deals, sourcing deals, making intro, but also, you know, spreading the good news about what we're doing, um, bringing in, helping to bring in other investors in, into our funds. So this year was, hey, raising a deal by deal for syndicate is good and we can keep doing that where possible, but we need to automate and we need to accelerate how fast we can get into these investments because some of them are very competitive and we have to know how big of a check size we want to write, which we can't always do if it's a syndicate structure. And so we, we, we launched the rolling fund on AngelList. And so um, I can, uh, and Nico may be able to do some of this, um, but I can uh, do some of it as well. I'll, I'll drop the links into the AngelList uh, syndicate and um, the rolling fund here uh, as we take some questions. But in, it, essentially, the rolling fund, the advantages are we're able to move very quickly to write. Typically, we're writing kind of smaller checks to get into deals. And then we'll do three to five of those per quarter. And then what happens is um, we will look uh, for opportunities um, to sort of 
syndicate larger investments into some of our deals. So it might be that we get into a deal kind of relatively early and we track and make sure that we really like their progress and we think that they're a great opportunity. And then, you know, the Series A comes up and we say, okay, you know, big round, big lead. Um, You know, it's really clear that this is a good long-term company that we believe in. We've tracked them internally and we bring it out to the larger syndicate to to everyone kind of pile on and, and join the round. Um, that's kind of the way that the Avengers is structured, where you know three to five investments per quarter out of the rolling fund, and the LPs, the investors in that rolling fund, they get you know early exposure um, when companies are still you know the valuations are relatively low. It, there's still certainly a lot that's unproven, but they're headed in the right direction, and they're getting you know all that exposure to kind of that early venture stage uh, investment. And then the rolling, uh, you know, the, the syndication is, you know, they get first access, the rolling fund LPs get first access to syndicated deals. And then if we have additional allocation available, anyone who maybe isn't a part of the rolling fund, you know, they'll get a, a note that, hey, you know, we, we've got this Climate Avengers syndicate deal open and you can join the SPV uh, via AngelList uh, and, and go through that. But again, you know, it is uh, limited to accredited investors. So I'll try to just highlight what we've done with the rolling fund this year and then really just open it up from there. We spent the first quarter just getting the rolling fund sort of structure in place and uh, getting launched with with uh, AngelList. We went live at the beginning of Q2 and we uh, started accepting LPs. And we've totally, uh, in the first quarter, we made three investments in, in, in the, that, that was Q2. In Q3 of this year, we made we made four investments. You know, we're planning to kind of keep in that three to five um, uh, investments per quarter throughout the rest of this year and, and probably into next year. I think our check sizes are going to go up as the size of the rolling fund um, increases, but uh, the cadence of kind of three to five investments per year, per quarter of the best deals that we think have the highest likelihood of, of really doing well uh, long term is, is what we're tracking. So I'll take you through the portfolio briefly and then we can open it up for, for questions. So we kick off in, in Q2. We invested in Blockable. So Blockable is building multifamily, uh, multi-use actually. So, so it's going to be retail on the ground floor, but it's going to be five to eight story buildings. These guys are, are they've got real estate development backgrounds. They've also got factory um, construction backgrounds, and they are really have unlocked, um, I think, a lot of the hard work to be able to build. I mean, we have to build more housing in this country. It needs to be extremely sustainable. It needs to be dense. It needs to be all electric. And they've spent all the work and time to do pilot projects and get those factories going. And they've proven it all out. So Paul Allen's family, VC office, Vulcan Capital, I think is what it used to be called. I think it has a new name now. But they've been the lead investor. And that team is phenomenal. They've been raising a lot of follow-on capital. Um, so that was our first rolling fund check. Um, Geosite is um, a marketplace and SaaS for geospatial data, which, you know, the uses for geospatial data are just almost endless. And the customers and the usage of it and the integration into the tech stacks and all that is um, is something that's been rising a lot. They've got a lot of government contracts. They're doing things like methane leakage data and, and spatial awareness data and just all the data that we need to collect and aggregate and use in order to be able to, you know, make climate investments. They're, they're sort of creating kind of a, a layer for that. Mutual Series A uh, came up. We did their seed round as part of a syndicate deal. Their Series A came up this year with strong leads. We rolled a small check into the, to the Series A, but we also syndicated that deal. So that was the deal that we brought to the syndicate in Q2. We're able to bring in a number of investors who participated in that Series A. And then we got into Q3 and we had uh, Enzinc. Uh, is actually the deal that we syndicated. And it's also the deal, you know, we, we led with a rolling fund check into their Series A. Nico worked a lot with me on this uh, investment memo and, and talking with investors. And I know he knows the Enzing team really well. I know they've been interviewed on the podcast, both I think John Bonanno and uh, Michael Burrs, the CEO and founder. This is a really fascinating technology. I think, you know, we have a sort of uh, investing thesis that energy storage is grid bacon, and we're going to need a whole lot more of it across mobility, across stationary storage uh, to help with renewables firming. There's all these different value propositions where we're going to need a lot more energy storage. And we know we have a lot of rare earth materials and, you know, materials that are being mined that, um, you know, they're not in the supply and we're going to need, you know, a ton of it. So, they have a very novel zinc anode. Um, it's a zinc metal micro sponge that really creates a, a zinc battery that, that has some very attractive properties. 
and they've got a huge TAM and, and a lot of, you know, interested funders, with, you know, with the Navy supporting them, with the state of California and the DOE supporting them on the research grants. And now we have a nice lead uh, with three by five partners that are um, backing them and uh, leading the Series A. So we're, we're excited about what they're doing. I think I mentioned, but we also syndicated that as our Q3 deal. And that one just closed up a couple of weeks ago. The three other ones that we did in Q4, we did not syndicate, but I'll run through them briefly. Carbon Counts Tech is creating um, a, it's actually a gaming platform and, and they have their first game that's coming to market soon. A ton of entertainment industry and gaming people, but they're gamifying carbon and climate positive impacts and acti- actions. And they are creating a game that, you know, does based on the actions that the, the users take, it, it'll actually, you know, take uh, climate positive impacts uh, from, you know, it'll help fund those things. I think they're still really early. They haven't been super public about it. They made some announcements about the game recently, um, which you can found, you can look up. But if you're into gaming, I think it's 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 a huge space. It's a rapidly growing space. It's it's a it's an area that there's a large opportunity for impact. And then the two others, Photon Marine. There's just starting to be um, you know some pioneers creating all electric uh, powertrains and and drive drivetrains, both you know the motors and the batteries for the marine industry. Uh, these guys are going specifically after the small fleets and kind of the B2B market. So they have, you know, two fleets as pilot customers. They have two boat manufacturers as pilot customers. And they're doing, you know, uh, both an 80 horsepower and a 300 horsepower outboard electric motor paired with, um, you know, batteries. And I think that for me, like the marine environment is, you know, a win-win-win uh, for electrification because, you know the pollution that goes into the, the 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 waterways. You know is just as bad or worse as what gets spewed into our our air environment. And I think that it has impacts. You know on those animals, those ecosystems, on our drinking water, on on all of that. And so, really excited about what they're building. Um, dimensional energy is the last one. They are uh, literally taking direct air capture uh, carbon, and they are manufacturing sustainable aviation fuel, and that creates a net zero effect of of aviation. Right. So. Their fuel, their fuel that is burned uh, doesn't have the other particulate matter and uh, it doesn't have um, some of the other pollution involved with typical burning of, um, you know, diesel fuel or jet fuel or things like that. Of course, their fuel does burn off, uh, you know, release CO2, which then gets captured by them you know, later elsewhere in the environment. And, and then they manufacture uh, this sustainable aviation fuel. So you end up having a net zero fuel economy, which, you know, we have to get to on aviation in order to improve um, the carbon impacts there. So this is just kind of, you know, the broad overview of how we've been investing uh, for Climate Avengers. And, um, you know, I know it's a super deep dive on the venture uh, piece of it. I think venture is one of those things that um, uh, people are aware of, but it does kind of take a lot of time to wrap your head around how it all works. And so, you know, we're excited to be opening up the venture asset class to a lot of the new angels. Um, the rules for being an accredited investor have stayed flat, but over the last 12 years, you know, the economy has seen a lot of growth. And so you have a lot more people becoming accredited. Even the SEC has opened up the rules and how you can get accredited to be even broader than just the typical net worth or, or annual income categories. And so our goal is, hey, we need to create a lot more uh, climate angels, and we need to create a lot more investment into this space. And we think that one of the high leverage points is this early stage venture space. So with that, I, I'm going to open it up for for broad questions. Dr. Power asks, um, this is for Tyler and Kyle. Are there any ETFs or funds that only invest in clean energy companies? Um, if so, where can we access them? And I kind of want to twist that also to to another question I have kind of, which is, what are what are like the latest trends that you know uh, retail investors um, that should be paying attention to, and, and and that those in the know have their eyes on? Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, the one that I mentioned earlier is from Sphere. Um, they have this new five hundred fossil free fund, um, so it's tracking kind of the S and P five hundred, but it's pulling out anything that is you know directly funding fossil fuels. Their ticker is SPFFX. Uh, it is available for va- through Vanguard and, and probably accessible elsewhere as well. But that's that's one in general that I think kind of fits w- what you were talking about. Any ETFs or funds that only invest in clean energy companies. That one is really sort of pulling out the fossil funding, not necessarily exclusively investing in, in clean tech. There's a number of sort of broader funds. I believe it's the um, kind of the wild. I'll have to go look these up again. But there's a couple of funds that uh, that are branded that are kind of exclusively on uh, on investing in clean tech and, and climate projects. 
you got companies like finite.io uh you know they they do more of the debt i think it's more the debt side of things they have a fund um that i would check out let's hear from kyle and tyler just really quick what's kind of like the one trend that you have your eye on and then we'll throw it to ph um, who wanted to raise their hand to come on stage I appreciate that. I think the big one that I was kind of hitting on was I, I talked about it briefly earlier, but it's really this kind of carbon to value economy and, and or just carbon reduction economy. I think there's a big thesis amongst some some very you know wise investors and some people who are really tracking where they think the world is going is that the value of a carbon offset and the, and the value created by offsetting carbon in general is going to increase significantly over time, right? Because over the last 10 years, you know, you've had a, a few markets, you know, government markets who that may have been created that actually put a value on this. Um, it's pretty rare. It's maybe a little bit more common in Europe and, you know, some state markets that are doing some things. Not very transparent markets, you know, and, and not very clear all, always, you know, how to create that value and, and what things qualify for that. <laughs> but the general thesis is the whole globe is coming aware that we have to reduce carbon and we have to understand the value of a carbon reduction um, or offset. And so the value of those carbon offsets is going to increase significantly over time to the point that it actually becomes like an asset that one would invest in, which is kind of a weird concept to think about. But I do think it's actually good for the economy. Some people you know, have concerns about this, like, oh, they're not actually retiring these carbon offsets. They're just buying these up and, and not retiring them. I think that's a good thing, right? That means they see the value of it going up over time and that um, you know, there are people who are are spewing carbon via their activities who are raising their awareness that this needs to change and they're going to need to find solutions to be able to offset that or, or to reduce it. So I think that's a major thesis of a lot of the emerging investors is investing in things that are creating the new economy of reducing carbon and, and offsetting carbon. Yeah, I would, I would echo some of those, those sentiments and I, I would kind of put, you know, as, as a primer, just alternative investments in general have really experienced since post Jobs Act 2012, um, you know, a massive shift. And Kyle mentioned, you know, a lot of platforms, a lot of real estate platforms out there, you know, real assets, alternative assets, assets that are generally hedged for inflation, you know, have been just immensely popular energy. It does the same thing, but with renewable energy um, and, you know, making those investments available to accredited and non-accredited investors. But to, to kind of bring it full circle, uh, Kyle, Mike and I, our co-founder and managing partner, have actually thought about why not, you know, research at least creating a reg A, which would allow us to, you know, market this to accredited and non-accredited investors on carbon credits in particular, you know, betting on essentially the, that the price of a carbon credit, you know, over the next 10, 15, 20 years is only going to go up. As governments start to mandate and regulate things more like we've seen in Europe and other parts of the world. So, you know, that's something we've we've even kicked around internally at Energia is, you know, in addition to these very durable, long term project based returns that we offer currently, maybe we could um, have more of a something that would feel more like a VC play. But, you know, something that's going to have a little bit more of a chance of a, you know, X, you know, type of, uh, you know, principal uh, appreciation uh, on, the, on the energy platform. I wanted to, first of all, echo, yeah, about the uh, carbon, uh, carbon tracking, carbon market trend. Uh, I just uh, was at the Verge uh, event. The thing that really struck me most was exactly that point. In a fairly small exhibit hall, I would say probably six companies that were helping companies track their carbon footprint, offset their carbon mm -hmm. footprint, creating ESG, you know, tracking uh, systems and providing all kinds of solutions. Probably the most jaw-dropping participation there was Salesforce, who actually had kind of the most feel-good, all-green booth, actually offering a carbon tracking product, yeah. um, which goes to show how hard uh, companies are looking at the potential of this economy and trying to find any way they can leverage what they have to put a, a toehold into it and, and, and climb from there. So it's a fascinating area. My comment was really more of a question that, that has to do with my own bias. You know, I, I, I run a, uh, a company uh, that, that's called CleanFi, and we essentially accelerate bringing commercial financing to projects to to the sub $10 million, sub $5 million 
commercial market, uh, green green building improvement, net zero improvement market. It's a huge, it's a huge market, and it's basically driven by contractors and building managers, et cetera, who really don't know, uh, don't have the background to find the right financing option for any of their the projects that they're bringing, et cetera. So the acceleration of capital to the market is the general subject that I, I want to just throw on here. And all of the different things that you guys are doing, I haven't heard much about fintech. It is a struggle that we have as an emerging player in the marketplace is finding challenges, uh, partners, et cetera, that are really interested in the green fintech area, uh, playing with things that you can't touch, that you can't you know, really uh, measure, except for the amount of obviously volume that, that you do. But it, it's, it's like almost forgotten the area of the industry, and it seems so incredibly impactful when done right. And I was just wondering, you know, what you guys, what kind of thoughts you guys had uh, collectively uh, about the fintech area and, and its role and its you, it, a potential area of interest to you guys. I think that that fintech is such an important enabler of the growth of any, in, you know, industry, right? And so it kind of goes back to that original comment I had, which is that nothing changes until a dollar moves. And fintech enables dollars to move more quickly and with less friction, right? Like Tyler and Energia, you know, that's a fintech platform, right? And they are enabling investment dollars to be invested, you know, faster and with more transparency and with investors quickly understanding what they're investing in. Kind of the same as Angelist. I mean, Angelist and they're certainly, you know, they got a couple different sides of the business, but they, the investing side of the business is, is truly a fintech play on, and particularly on venture capital focus. But quite frankly, the Climate Avengers VC platform would not be possible if it weren't for the Angelist platform that is fintech software aggregating investors doing, you know, KYC, know, know your client, you know, um, automating, you know, doc signing and all of it is amazing fintech. And I think we need a lot of fintech. And, you know, in terms of examples, right, you have like Wonder Capital, who was like, we need more more capital to to finance solar projects to accelerate that. It's particularly they started on a small scale and have only gotten bigger ever since. But I think that that we need a lot more fintech, and it in itself is a, a category that you know we've looked at investments in of you know which which companies do we think are building defensible moats uh, of of investment and of platforms and of projects and investors that are going to be able to you know accelerate the the long term growth of this sector. What do you think are like the biggest the biggest risks to climate investing in the short term in the next year year or so? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on what type of climate investing you're 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 referring to, right? You know, when you talk about Kyle's world and climate adventures and and VC, uh, you know, anytime you're investing in early stage companies, there's a whole different set of risks that I think Kyle touched on a little bit um, that go into it. With Energia, it's a little different because, as he mentioned, it is a little bit more contractually based. You know, our returns are, you know, we, we, we know, reasonably speaking, how bright the sun is going to shine in particular regions of the world. And we know what the price of electricity is going to be that we've you know, signed a contract for. We, we adjust those for inflation. You know, so we relatively have a pretty good idea of what our returns, you know, IRRs are going to be on our projects. So, um, you know, with Energia, uh, you know, biggest risk, you know, in particular to our company, I would say with any of the like the Brazil or the Africa portfolio, you, you, you have FX or currency risk. You know, so we, we collect revenues, pay operating expenses in, in Brazil. It's all in the local currency down there, the real. Then that money gets shipped back to the to the U.S., to our portfolio company that investors invest in, and we distribute the dividends each month. So if there's a you know big big moves or swings in FX, that could be a risk. It could also be a positive though. Gotcha. Yeah, I was kind of thinking in uh, in terms of also from a retail investor and just general, I guess you know with with how the economy is going um, and how that affects markets. And um, I, I wonder almost if if energy investing is a little bit immune just because it's such a budging, you know, a, a, a new hot hotbed for for people talking. I wonder if it'll if it'll perform better than, you know, most other sectors during the, the downturn. But yeah, it's really comparable. You know, it's utilities. You know, it's essentially it's, you know, you're going back to your parents, you know, when they would invest in Ma Bell and AT&T and, you know, GE and, you know, the, you know just the blue chip utility type stocks. I think, you know, a lot could be said that that's, you know, kind of this space, in particular, energy and clean tech and climate revolution, change, transition, whatever you want to call it, could be equated back to, you know, the, the, the large telephone companies of the 50s and 60s and things like that. I think this conversation has been great. 
I love the opportunity to get more people into these rooms and on these stages. So I just wanted to say to folks who are listening in, we want to encourage you guys to get more people into the resource labs. This conversation is not an extension of Suncast. It's a it's a evolution of the work I've been doing with people like Tyler and Kyle and Louise and Neto and uh, and many others in the industry to actually build a, a real community where we can have conversation. And so the stage is here for us to get, for you to raise your hand and get up on and ask questions just like PH did. I think everybody can click on resource labs up at the top left in your app and click on invite people, invite others that you think should be in here. And then also suggest to Matt, to me, uh, to, to Kyle, to anybody that's here on stage, ways that we can make this more engaging or conversations that we should be having in here that we aren't having. Start those conversations. Offer to host an office hours around that topic. We are all ears. And I want to thank Matt and the team for helping coordinate and, um, and, and certainly Kyle for uh, coming prepared to provide some discourse on the state of investing into climate tech for, for the rest of us, for folks that aren't um, already VCs. Thank you again to Tyler for going through the tech challenges as all of us have of figuring out new apps. And I know we're asking a lot of, uh, of folks that are busy. So thanks everyone for your time contributing today. Okay. I have loved learning from Kyle and I'm grateful for our resource labs community. There were so many good questions that came up in the session with Kyle. And I'm super grateful that my friend Tyler was able to join us from energy and give his perspective as well as many others that joined us for this episode thank you kyle and our venture partner alina folks as well for helping me learn more about what it looks like to invest in early stage startups it has been the education of a lifetime i invite you along for the ride along for the journey you can go to mysuncast.com forward slash climate avengers to learn more about how you could invest in the climate avengers syndicate and by leaving your email there we'll also let you know when the forthcoming Climate Avengers podcast launches. And of course, we mentioned Resource Labs. That is our private community of hundreds of clean energy champions, solar warriors, climate advisors that lean in together to help one another find opportunities, sharpen the saw, and build community. You can find out more at mysuncast.com forward slash community. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.